Hello there, Duncan. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Very well indeed. So, welcome to our first podcast. Oh, exciting, isn't it? I know, I know. How are you feeling? <laughs> Bizarrely, even though I've done this before on various platforms, incredibly nervous for this one. Now it's, now it's our first one. I know, I know. It's because it's ours, see? It makes it so much more something. <laughs> yeah, I've always been a guest on the other ones. This one feels a little bit more personal. So hopefully, hope we do a good job and, and people want to come back and listen to it more often. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. So welcome everybody else to our first podcast. Yeah, welcome. Thanks for joining Thanks. us. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's start with who we are. I think that's that's a good place to start, right? Yeah, it's a, yeah start at the very beginning, I guess. Yeah. So, of course, we are the Open University Commercial Awareness Society. Now, I've never said the acronym out loud before, so I'm sure people say it differently. But yeah. um, I say it as UCAS. Because... I, I tend to not say it because I, I have no idea how to pronounce that word. So I do. I always yeah. say, I go OU and then, then abbreviate the rest of it, like OU CAS. <laughs> I, yeah, I say UCAS because it's such a mouthful to say Open University Commercial Awareness Society out loud all of the time. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I was, I was thinking to myself when I was uh, setting up the podcast just now, oh, I wonder if people say that differently. So definitely get in touch on that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just see how many different uh, pronunciations of that one word we can get. Yeah, it's probably you'd be surprised, I think, how many different, different ways there are. We've already got to and there's only two people here. <laughs> so... Shall we start with what we do instead? Yeah, why not? Let me know how much you want me to chip in and uh, we'll go. Yeah, let's talk about what we do. <laughs> well, I'm happy for you to take it away or I'm happy to let, let other students know what we're here for. Okay, yeah, sure. So I'll do, I'll do a, tiny bit of, a tiny bit of background uh, and then I'll, <laughs> let you build, I'll let you build on it. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we were founded a few years ago. Um, we're still kind of the baby society within the OU, which is, is, is nice. But uh, at the same time, I think because we're, we're so new, um, a lot of people don't know we exist yet. Um, yeah. we're, found, we're founded kind of out of the process of gaining more commercial awareness, which is uh, a phrase not everyone's heard of. Um, but it's used a lot in kind of interviews at a lot of big firms. Um, you hear it most in law and business firms, but actually it's used in a much wider range than that. Um, we've both been involved for a little while now. I took over a year or so ago. You've been with us about six months, haven't you? So I think, kind of, I think so, yeah. About, about that. <laughs> it's flown very quick. Uh, and I think kind of when I took over, the mission statement kind of evolved a bit past that to helping kind of students gain key skills and attributes to equip them for a more kind of fulfilled and sustainable career as well as just getting jobs yeah um, and yeah we've kind of massively grown haven't we because we've, we've doubled the size of our committee uh, a month ago um so yeah well, it, being, it was bring on new hands really wasn't it <laughs> yeah, a, a little bit yeah because we're, we're really keen to go from that kind of startup society which is what we've been up to this point to to kind of grow a bit um, and with yeah. the addition of those people, we kind of it gives us more abilities to bring on more more guests, more speakers, put on more yeah. events, and, and and give more back to our members, which is really why we decided to, like I said, double the size it of the committee. It a little bit more comfortable, doesn't it? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and we don't feel quite so pressured. <laughs> yeah, because we, we were three of us doing doing an awful lot, so um, we're now seven, aren't we? So it's more than doubled. Yeah. Um, so yeah, right. I'll, I'll let you talk a bit about what, what we do, as I've just said a bit about where we've come from. So a lot of the stuff we do is in the background. Um, we've currently done quite a bit in the last sort of two months that nobody really sees. So we've overhauled our um, constitution and sent that off to the Open University for approval. Mm -hmm. um, so keep an eye out for that on the website because that is coming. Um, we've also got quite a few events, um, which we'll get back onto later, that we've been setting up. So we're working away in the background. Um, so, yeah, we, we're just here to try and help students as best we can to sort of breach the job market and stay there, really. Um, commercial awareness is, you know, it's very important in the working world at the moment. And I think that that, that requirement is kind of growing as well. Um, where people 
not only know more about it, but also they're expecting you to know more about it. I I think anyway. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, definitely, and particularly as um, a wider variety of companies are become more aware of kind of governance issues and the kind of social impact of their work. Actually, commercial yeah. is, is, is like I said, it's growing. It's it's kind of expanding through different working areas, different industries. Um, yeah, and an environmental areas. impact as well. Absolutely, yeah. So those Which three is still together. commercial awareness. Yes, absolutely. And those three, we, you'll probably see in a few of our events coming up, we'll use the acronym ESG. That's what that stands for, environmental, social and governance. And it's it's the big, it's one of the biggest topics within the car commercial awareness world at the moment. So, And it is obviously it has implications for such a wide variety of firms. <clears throat> yeah, so, so our job as the society is to help students and our listeners understand what you need to know why you need to know it and take it with you and use it as a tool everywhere because really it does apply to so many things in life yeah definitely absolutely so do you want to give sort of a weekly news update which is something that this podcast is going to do anyway moving forward yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll try and keep this as brief as I can. I've managed to split it down to six key areas. If we don't get that's great. If I start talking too much, just cut me off. Um, because... <laughs> that's my job. It's fine. I'll do that. <laughs> you work out listening to this that there are there are so many things that go on that come under this banner. Um, I started mm. off with fifteen different areas. I've ended up with six, so I'm, I've, I've cut it down quite a bit. Um, <laughs> so the key areas I'm going to talk about is a bit about macro, which is macroeconomics for anyone that doesn't know that. A bit about markets, a bit about vaccines. That's a big, a big topic at the moment. Uh, a bit of the alphabet soup that is M and A and IPOs. I'll explain what both of those are when we get there. Uh, a bit about our high streets in the UK, and a bit about Tesla and Bitcoin because they are making news all over the place at the moment. And usually for the same person too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll mention that briefly as well. Mr. Muskie is a he's an interesting bloke. Uh, <laughs> So I mean, Absolutely. in terms of macroeconomics, there's kind of there's three big things going on in the world at the moment. Um, one is the Fed. So that's the US Federal Reserve. Uh, so they're going to keep their interest rates low whilst still keeping their inflation target at 2%, which is important, really, because globally, banks tend to follow what the Fed does. Um, now, there are some fears about that, because as a general rule at the moment, interest low is a good thing. But obviously, with the stimulus measures and vaccine uh, rollouts that are going on, People are expecting the economy to lift fast and spending to go up and therefore inflation to go up. And normally, to counteract that, banks put the interest rate up. But if the Fed are committing to keeping the rates low, we're not sure whether they're going to be able to keep to that commitment or not. And we know all know bankers change their minds on a regular basis. So that'd be Absolutely, a trend yeah. going forward, that one. Particularly, like I said, if spending goes up the amount it's expected to when lockdowns lift, whether they're able to honour that keeping interest rates low. Uh, it'll be interesting to see because i think it's it's going to be a very difficult thing to commit and stick to yeah absolutely but like i said particularly if if the massive increase in spending that's kind of predicted happens um it, it, it yeah. could be very interesting. i don't know people have been penny pinching in lockdown you never know they might they may like seeing the money in their bank account yes they might do and, and there is the thing where actually a lot of money might suddenly spent on holidays so kind of in one bulk rather than it going into yeah things in absolutely. The so it, it's, it's gonna be an interesting it's it's a big story in the sense that it has global impact and it's also a big trend in the sense it's one to really watch as it develops and um, which is why I've, got, it's why, I've, it's yeah. why I've included it i've tried to keep them to be kind of important ones um this is less of a trend the second one and um, it's what it's about china they're a massive economy so it's worth noting um so i found out this year uh, this week sorry that um the biggest human migration on the planet happens at Lunar New Year in China because everyone goes from where they work back to their kind of hometowns to celebrate their year. Um, obviously, this year, the government yeah. don't really want people travelling and, <laughs> and have made it a lot more difficult. Yeah. And, as, yeah, no, and as, as a result of that, um, there's been a lot less of factories and workplaces shut because they up to a week for people to travel home celebrate and come back yeah so um with the factories closures being massively down obviously um production manufacture and distribution has been up it's massively so, up. yeah the Chinese <laughs> yeah. economy, which is already boost like boost at the moment and being one of the strongest in the world has had another boost which is unusual at this time yeah. of year so big news for them uh, we'll see how that affects everywhere else <laughs> 
but um, yeah. it'll be interesting to see. I think it's it's definitely another area to watch watch this space for, really, isn't it? Yes, definitely. Um, closer to home, a little bit closer to home. Italy have a new prime minister. Um, this is kind of, I would mm. say, for Europe as a whole, good news. Um, obviously, Italy is one of the biggest economies in Europe. Uh, and historically has been quite a, what's the, what's the technically correct way of putting this? Rocky. We'll go rocky country. Um, yeah, had a little bit I'm sure that's very technical. I was, trying to be, I was trying not to say anything that was going to have to force us to hit uh, yep. cancel and start recording <laughs> again. Um, so a guy called Mario Draghi, who is the former president of the European Central Bank, um, has been invited by the Italian president to form a government because their coalition just really wasn't working. Um Yes. He's managed to get them to agree on a few things and has taken over as PM. So hopefully um, Italy will become Fingers a bit more crossed. stable. They're going to, yeah. yeah that, that, I think Level out a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then even closer to home, last story for macroeconomics. Um, in the UK, we started kind of a couple of weeks ago um, with a bit of tension about that border in Ireland and the, the issue of the fact that obviously mm. part of Ireland is, is Europe and part of Ireland is, is the United Kingdom. Um, but it, that seems to have kind of been swept under the under the rug a bit as we're all getting excited with this roadmap to recovery. Um, yeah. So, which I think it's something that they may discuss sort of slightly more behind closed doors now because it's not something people were happy about to begin with, no. but also they've managed to get our attention off it. Yeah, so they may try to keep our attention off it until there's something's already in place and there's no going back yeah absolutely and, and don't get me wrong they've got our attention off it with something that is good uh, a roadmap to recovery is good a look at normality um should mean that yeah. jobs and people kind of employing is going up as we've already mentioned yes. spending should go up and that should providing it's all done in the right manner cause um, a bit of a recovery of our economy um, but there's always going to be that balance between being safe from the virus and trying to boost the economy so it'll take a while but it should, it yeah. should be a, a good thing all in all. I think um, I think my main worry with that aspect is they've said after the, the three weeks of lockdown you know this is it we're not going back and I think that is such a big statement to make right mm. now um, because by next winter we could be in lockdown again, and they've said, you know, that's not that's not going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. So like, I, I, it's such a big statement to make, isn't it? Yeah, and I think obviously they're, they're obviously confident because they've made the statement about the fact that this this roadmap isn't reversible. Um, although it might not follow the exact yeah. timeline they set out, it's not reversible, so it needs to be done right. And, and that's the key thing, because if it's not, it could cause massive, massive repercussions for everything in the UK. Absolutely. And I think the UK is like, I mean, we've left the EU. So our economy right now is not where we want it to be. And then we've got coronavirus and everything else happening. I just think we're so... We're a little bit fragile at the minute. We are. There's a there's a, a bit of more good news for us coming. One of the other things I want to talk about, though. So <laughs> hopefully, fabulous. Well, continue, it, continue. Let's let's keep I'm, going. There's <laughs> two topics further down there, so I'm going to do a bit on, on markets first. So there's there's one of these stories that has been in the news all over the place recently, and one that hasn't been, but probably should have been. Um, so I'll do that one first, mm-hmm. uh, and that's Japan, Japan's Nikkei um, as breaking through its highest level since 1990. It's first time it's gone through 30,000 uh, as an index since 1990. Uh, and to be honest, wow. a lot of that is caused by the fact that they've announced now they've got a vaccine they're going to use because Japan were one of these countries that were umming and ahhing about what to use and not really committing. Um, so, yeah, a massive, massive boost in the economy in Japan, which is obviously good because we do a lot of business with Japan. Um now, we yes. will do a bit more on, on markets and events in future, um, including why, in my personal opinion, Nikkei is not a good one to follow anyway. And um, there's another another index in Japan called Topics, um, which is probably slightly better for gauging Japan's uh, economy because it's bigger. It's on... It is for Japan. I wouldn't say that that was particularly universal. No, yeah, it's, um, no it's better in terms of if we're looking at Japan as, as, as what their economy is doing, it's, it's a more diverse range of c- companies within the country. Um, but Nikkei going up is still a massive yeah, good takes, thing. Yeah, it other things into consideration, which Nikkei doesn't. Yes. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that's good for them. Hopefully that means it's good for us as well, particularly Japan is one of the countries I know our government are trying to get into more trade deals with. Yeah, and I think that that would be great for the UK as well. Yeah. 
we we want we want people to where we actually copy up we want the whole world to be recovering from this pandemic because it's it works better for everyone if everyone's recovering absolutely yeah now a bit for the now a bit on the story that everybody will have heard of and this is the whole thing going on currently with wall street and reddit and their <laughs> and, oh. and the uh, yeah the absolute <laughs> that's been going on recently okay. gamestop uh, and the like so the, the key players involved in that whole scenario have been in front of congress this week um of the congress trying to work out whether they can prove market manipulation or not uh, it's worth noting for anyone that followed this okay. and saw the GameStop story that after that, the week after GameStop, Reddit decided to move on to silver and then on to cannabis companies as well. So it's not just it's not just GameStop they've been trying yeah. to. They've to gone they've gone on to many different companies. I think are they still continuing now? Or... Yeah, yeah, they had another flutter on. I think it was on GameStop again yesterday. There was, there was a couple of days ago. Um, oh god! A couple of days ago, um, trading on GameStop was halted because of a massive, massive boost right near the end of the day. Um, yeah, that that yeah. makes sense. So, I mean, it's going to be really hard for them to prove market manipulation um, because to prove that they have to prove someone yeah. is deliberately affecting a stock price. And in Red on Reddit, you're basically just sharing your opinion of what. Um, so it's going to be really hard to prove it. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's going to be so hard to prove. But they might be looking at more regulations in future to stop people doing it. Because essentially, the people on Reddit, what they are doing, either not knowingly or not knowingly, is really messing around with stockbrokers, which will just hack the stockbrokers off. Because um, they've obviously got their... their um, oh, well, it's their business and their livelihood, really, yeah. isn't it? So you can understand why they'd be upset. A lot of people are sort of pitting it as you know the poor people sort of figuring it out on their own against the rich people who know what they're doing and i, I don't think that that's the the dynamic that we, we we should really be considering i don't think it's the poor person or the person that doesn't understand against the person who does understand no. and now that people that don't usually make money on it are and they're throwing their toys out the pram I, personally i don't think that's the issue I think the issue is the people that don't really understand what they're doing are affecting pensions yeah, as well, and th more. but they don't seem to realise that they're affecting their own pensions, um, which th that's going to be, you know, much further down the line. Yeah. People are really going to see the repercussions of what this is doing, and I think that could be a potential yeah, nightmare. Absolutely, like you said, there are much wider repercussions than than what's being covered. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and I think more regulation would be. But people don't want to talk about that bit, I don't think. <laughs> it's the man, which is always, it always appears a good thing, but actually you, you're always risking yeah. it, particularly going up, as I said, someone that's not really got the knowledge against a professional. At some point, you are going to end up losing and getting badly stung for it. So. Yeah, exactly. And I just think it's it's not really the, it's the angle the newspapers have taken, but I don't think it's the angle that we should be trying to explain to people like what we should be explaining is why the professionals are so angry about it you know what what is mm -hmm. the issue with people that don't really understand what they're getting into to just randomly do all of these things because to a certain extent people who know what they're doing have to jump on the bandwagon because of the way it's affecting the stock mm -hmm. prices but they don't want to. <laughs> uh, and it's also worth noting that any sort of massive instability in the stock market is bad for business overall. So if there, if there are, if there are, if there are oh, a couple yeah, of absolutely. stocks that are flying up and down all over the place, and they will want to not to kind of get rid of that as soon as possible, just because like I said yeah. instability in the stock market isn't good for anybody. Um, it's usually when they end up getting shorted, yeah, really, isn't bit, it? <laughs> which is part of what um, the Reddit users was trying, were basically stopping the stockbrokers from doing on GameStop. But hey ho. Um, anyway, moving on. Moving on. Yeah. Um, vaccine time. time, time. It's a it's, it's a big it topic. Massive, so. yeah. <laughs> fact, at the moment, I think vaccines an even bigger one. So, um, so yeah, uh, the yeah. EU vaccine. Uh, rollout is still facing a lot of pressure because their distribution just still isn't up to scratch. Um, obviously, we've we've seen lots yeah. of stories about them struggling to get vaccines out, um, but there's been some figures out mm -hmm. this week that kind of really back it up. Um, so inoculation across the yeah. EU is currently, on average, sitting at 6.6 .6 per 100 residents have been vaccinated. Uh, in the US, that number is 20.1. Yeah. 
And in the UK, this is a rather bit of good news, it's mm-hmm. 28.3 in every 100. Um, so that's four times yeah, the right. average across the EU um, we're currently we're at. So obviously... We're also in a unique situation where I'm in Wales mm-hmm. and you're in England. And here, I know at least five people that have had the vaccination. So I don't know what it's like for England, but in Wales, it seems to be rolling out so much faster than everywhere yeah, else. Yeah, I'm, I'm not in a, in a good place to answer this because my particular area of, the, of, the, of England isn't doing particularly well. Um, but that's because we've also we've also still got okay. one of the highest infection rates. So it's got it, they're still doing a lot more testing than anywhere else. But across England in general, yeah, much much doing much kind of quicker than it would appear other countries are doing. Um, so yeah. yeah, I mean that is down to how we are currently as, as as a nation meeting our targets, whereas the others kind of aren't. Um, I would expect the US to grow, but that is down to the fact that we we ordered it relatively early. Yeah, and we we're involved. I we've been involved anyway. from an early stage in the production of a couple and manufacture of a couple as well. So, and obviously Europe, Europe's still whinging the fact that there's a couple <laughs> of them that are being kind of produced in the UK and then they're not they're not getting their hands on them quick enough, but. You know, you you can't have it both ways. <laughs> they make, they, you, you make all yeah. I mean, if you're going to stop and argue over price, then you can't complain that you stopped exactly. to argue over price. Um, so at the moment, in terms of the, the thing across Europe, you've got politicians and pharmaceutical companies just pointing fingers at each other. So it's getting a bit messy. Um, hopefully, whether they work out who's yeah, it is. or not, hopefully they get it sorted soon. Because obviously... I saw a story as well where a country are currently so desperate that they actually offered the UK nurses and, and like NHS staff um, by way of sort of a bribe to try and get mm. vaccines. Um, I won't mention what country it was, but it was within the <laughs> EU. That's, yeah, that's nuts. So, yeah, it's it's getting really messy. And I think that this is something that countries that were on the fence when sort of the UK left the EU and they were all like, oh, can you do that? (laughs) Um, I think countries that are on the fence are going to see this and be like, "Um, well, maybe it's time. You know, maybe maybe this has run its course and we're going to leave as well. So it could it could get it really could messy. Um, there, there could be a saving grace for them coming up. Um, I, I was very close to writing an article on this the other week just because I thought it was really interesting. Um, the Sputnik V vaccine, so the Russian vaccine, as everyone's doing it, um, has had a peer review in the last week and a bit, um, which shows 92% efficacy. I'm going to use the word efficacy because that's the correct word. Ignore anyone that told you that efficiency is the right okay. word. Efficacy is, um, is the correct word when you're referring to a vaccine. Um, so, yeah, 92%, massively high. That's higher than any of the other um, vaccines out there at the moment. And obviously, being as it's in Russia, you'd imagine mm-hmm. Europe could get easier access to it. Um, so there's a real opportunity for them to get another vaccine, particularly as at the moment, Russia have this fantastic vaccine, 92% efficacy, and over 50% of Russians don't believe in having a vaccine. So they've got a real issue with trying to convince their, yeah, own, that... their, own, uh, their own compatriots to actually have a vaccine in the first place. So there could be quite a few spare doses. Well, they'll just yeah, drink absolutely. vodka. <laughs> That's it. I used to work with someone that was convinced, <laughs> he was quite a heavy drinker, but he was convinced that because his blood was about 80% vodka, he never got ill. <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah well, absolutely. Well they, over they 50% want to of they'd refuse a vaccine if they were, yeah, even if they were told they had to have yeah. it, they'd refuse it. Um, so there could be a lot of that vaccine available to other countries. Um, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, coming back to the UK, um, our government is still debating whether we're going to look at having um, vaccine passports or whether we're going to use rapid testing. Um, both are a bit uncertain. Passports, pure. <sighs> I like the idea of, I'm going to say something really controversial. I like the idea of a passport. I'm sorry, I do. I know it's a personal choice for you to have the vaccine, but, and I'm perfectly happy with that. That's your choice, whatever. But if you haven't had the vaccine, I don't think that it's fair that you should be able to do everything that people who mm-hmm. have had the vaccine can. Um mainly just because it puts so many people at risk just by saying no that 
if you're going to take that risk, that's fine. But I don't think other people should have to take that risk because mm-hmm. of your yeah, decision. I totally see that. Um, I'm not going to make a, a comment either way on, on on people having or not having a vaccine. But <laughs> as, a, as a principle, I think... No, that's um, absolutely a personal um, choice. Yeah. I think vaccine passports are a really good thing, um, particularly as if it works for COVID, it could work across the board. And you think about people travelling, you already have to carry Absolutely, a passport, yeah. a visa, proof of every jab you've had to go to that country and all the like. If they're really going towards this idea of having a one ID thing, um, then it's so easy. Yeah. Got digital passports now, it'd be so easy to link that to a digital vaccination passport. And then you only have to carry the one thing yeah, with you when, you, when you go travelling anywhere. So I think on the whole, moving towards this half passport is a really good move. The problem is... Yeah, I think it's going to be a big administration yeah, effort though at the beginning, really, so isn't it? Concerned about the logistics yeah. of getting it set up at the moment, that's not going to happen soon. Uh, and on the other side is this rapid testing route. I mean, that's it's also a logistical nightmare. Can you imagine turning up to a pub and before you go in, like, the bouncers on the door and rather than having to prove you're over 18, you have to sit there and blow into a tube so they can check you haven't got COVID. You'd assume yeah, you'd have to prove both. But, but yeah. You, know, you can try, just go, try and go to for for a dinner a dinner in a restaurant you've got to sit and kind of get tested before you can go into the it's yeah it, either way it's a logistical mm-hmm. nightmare they will they will obviously yeah. something i think we've gone from needing so many tests to needing so many vaccines that it may be at the minute sort of a joint effort mm-hmm. between the two if that makes sense so because we have a lot more tests now than we did sort of four months ago um that aren't being used quite as quickly mm-hmm. um so they could sort of as things start to open up they could use the testing route for the time being while they work out the administration effort and the logistics of the passport yeah. so it would be sort of twofold you'd get one side for now and then the other side once they've figured about yeah, out yeah absolutely there definitely needs to be some sort of hybrid approach because like like you said passports to me sound like a really good idea in terms of just proving you what mm-hmm. inoculation you had against anything but it's going to take a while to set up so there has to be something in the meantime particularly if they want to get the hospitality side of the economy going again because other places it might be all right if you've got to prove you've had you, you, you've had a jab three days before you fly or something that's fair enough but to go into a restaurant for dinner yeah that it's a massive block like a block towards people getting back into the hospitality another thing to consider for sort of hospitality as well is that some restaurants aren't struggling quite so much because they decided on oh, yeah. we'll do takeout instead and takeout can still open they, they they've never been closed so I think really when we're talking about the hospitality, not necessarily the hospitality industry, but sort of the beauty industry is definitely mm. struggling right now. And obviously, <laughs> coming from a female, but, um, you know, they can't yeah. open at all and they've been closed for most yeah. of a year, which means that if they've got a, like a premises, because some people are mobile, but if they've got a premises, they're still paying their figureheads yeah. and stuff. So yeah they're losing money and they cannot open until things are safe they're like the last people so i think passports for that aspect as well that's really going to help sort of those businesses where you need to be face to face with someone and you can't just open it up and go okay we'll see how it goes it needs to be safe (laughs) already definitely yeah, definitely, definitely, and there are so many industries like that. You've got, like I said, beauty, obviously, hairdressers into that, but yeah. there are other places like, that, like I said, that own big venues like your theatres and things like that, where people just can't can't go in. Yeah, that's like said, the I mean, even just a general driving lessons will be okay, won't they? Um, because of like I said, yeah. take out and things. Much as it's a smaller income, it's still an income. Although, if anyone wants to have a look, it wasn't from this yeah. week's news, but everyone wants to have a look at the uh, current arguments going on about Uber and that sort of thing that's a really interesting story to have a look at as well won't mention it because it wasn't this week but there's a big supreme court ruling recently about them being employees not um contractors particularly for our law students yeah also particularly for our new students yeah. uh, our law students while uh, we're talking about vaccines there is still a lot of uh, controversy about this whole 
idea of a no jab, no job policy, uh, policies at companies. I'm not going to get into the legal ins and outs <laughs> of it, but if you're a law student, that is well worth looking at because there is so much that links into it on both sides. You could, you could theoretically prove you can really see both sides of the effort. You know, you can understand the employer's side. You can understand that somebody who doesn't want a job and looking to keep their job as well. You can really see both sides of it. So it is worth Yeah, you it. can, because you kind of got things like your um, Environmental Health Control and Disease Act, uh, the European Convention of Human Rights um, and uh, the Equality Act on one side competing against health and safety at work on the other side and actually they completely contradict each other yeah so if you read one thing you'd say oh yeah actually it's a legal thing it's completely legal to have that policy yeah read the other one you go actually that's no, completely illegal who knows <laughs> on that one yeah. uh, that's a, a really difficult one to kind of argue and get a definite answer on so we'll move on from vaccines because we're I think that's a good <laughs> decision. Yeah. Um, so I said I'll briefly talk about the alphabet soup that is M and A and IPOs. So I, I broke it down a bit more there. I would normally... And can you explain yes. them as well? Because our listeners may not know what they yes. are. So um, yeah. I'll, I'll try and say it slowly again. <laughs> M and A, which most people say it will just sound like M and A and sounds like one word. It, it's an acronym for mergers mm. and acquisitions. Um, so obviously a merger. It's exactly what it sounds like, two companies merging or joining to form one company. Um, now, some of the time that involves both companies still trading under their original names. Sometimes uh, it will involve one company being formed of the two. So uh, Peugeot Citroen is a good uh, example of a merger. Um, acquisitions is yeah. one company taking over the other. And normally that will involve the trading name of the acquired company um, ceasing to exist. Um, so uh, UK yeah. have had our fastest start to M&A transactions since the 2008 financial crisis, um, which is huge. I'm not going to go through all of them. In fact, I'm not even going to give you a list of them because there have been so many since the start of the year. The reason this is a really... It's yeah, going to take mean, too yeah, long. <laughs> the reason this is a really key thing, particularly for our listeners, um, is that across a massive range of industries now, firms are picking up a lot more work as this increase takes, increase takes hold. So you kind of your finance specific firms are picking up a lot more kind of work around financing the deals. Your law firms are picking up a lot more around the due diligence of the deals. Um, so anyone that's looking to go into kind of a training contract or a graduate scheme in one of these big city companies over the next kind of three or four years will have a lot of work to do as a result of these M&As going up. Um, so it's a, it's a really good trend to look for, particularly if you're looking at going into one of those sort of workplaces. Um, it's interesting as well because this trend is kind of breaking the norm. Normally, uncertainty in a marketplace slows down deals, um, but for some reason, I think it's because yeah, they've really just expanded yeah. and run and with a it. A lot of the uncertainty <laughs> around kind of Brexit and amplified by the virus. I think you're finding as well um, more people that trade online mm. are taking over those that have stores. Yep. So they, for them, it may just be that, you know, the market uncertainty isn't yeah. there. So that might be why, or it could be, you know, other external factors. But personally, I think that's the main Yeah, and there's a lot of people jostling around trying to work out what it's going to look like after um, lockdown as well. So there's been a lot of restructuring, a lot of companies kind of selling off parts of themselves because they don't think they're going to be profitable. So yeah. I say companies that do, for example, production and distribution might go, well, we can't do the distribution anymore because we mainly dealt with Europe. So we're going to sell off that part of the company. So someone else will acquire that. And there's just been a lot of, like you said, it's kind of, it's, partly guesswork but actually if you're in the in the industry you it's probably not that much guesswork um there's a lot of restructuring yeah. going on but like i said it's really it's really good for any any of us that want to get into that sort of environment because there'll be loads and loads to work on over the next few years yeah so much will be happening yeah. so the other um nice little acronym i used was ipo that's an initial public offering um, also known as floating on the stock market. So it's when a company um, raises funds to, like I said, float on the st stock market. Um, so there's been a few of these big ones uh, recently. There's been a company called Cannabo, who are an Israeli medicinal cannabis company, furthering the trend of those products being more and more popular. Uh, there's been a company called Cornish, Cornish Metals. That's an interesting one to look at because there's been a few stories, I think one, a couple of them were this week and a couple of them were last week, about um, our 
ability as a country to produce batteries for electric vehicles. Uh, and they're kind of quite heavily involved in that in terms of mining things. And we're looking at having new gigafactories for batteries in, in the UK. Um, and there's another company yeah. that's looking at listing soon called Arrival, who are looking at making um, electronic buses. Electric buses, sorry, not electronic, electric um, powered buses. <laughs> the one, the one idea I've heard... Um, such a big story to sort of start with, isn't it? Yeah. I, 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 I won't go into too much detail on that just because there is so much to unpack, but it could be really, yeah. it could be really good for our economy in terms of bringing a lot of EV production, so electric vehicle production. I think uh, for this particular podcast, we'll just say keep an eye on that story yes, definitely. because we will talk about it later. <laughs> yeah, so you, you want to be looking at Cornish Metals um, and then the bus company's arrival and the Gigafactory is going to be by a company called British Vault. So those are three companies to look at. Um, the other IPO that's made massive, massive headlines this week, and I think for all the right reasons, um, or the last couple of weeks, is Bumble. So that's uh, Whitney Wolfherd's um, dating app, and she's become a billionaire, one of the youngest ever, and the youngest woman to take a company public in the US. I think it's great. I think she's fantastic. The the, the vision of the company is great. I also think it's brilliant because she co-founded Twitter and left, because not Twitter, Tinder, uh, and left because they're of alleged sexual harassment so she's obviously yeah. gone, i've got this great idea blokes have ruined it and she's gone well sod you i'm gonna go and do it better somewhere else um, absolutely and good <laughs> so on I her story is fantastic <laughs> um just saying okay <laughs> moving on from m and a's and ipos um just a couple of things going on in our high streets um which i think are of note um both good stories actually this week um one of them is about ikea that lovely iconic meatball maker um looking at mm -hmm. moving into some of the big empty high street spaces that are opening up around the country i think it's such a good idea yeah i like this idea i'd love to know how they're gonna work it because obviously the i say obviously to me i think it's obvious that they're not going to be selling you know their big furniture in these stores i think it's mainly going to be sort of the littler stuff you know you go for a cushion or um a, a vase or something like that yeah. i think it's going to be a lot more of the commodities rather than big furniture sales yeah 100 percent. because obviously they they are one of the few companies that have the both ability and finance to take over a full department store for example mm -hmm. but most yes. department stores in centers you can't get a car to so you're not going to be able to like you say go and buy a, a five a five wick wardrobe yeah. and, and pack it up and leave um so yeah it'll be I interesting mean, to they see. could probably they could definitely sort of deliver so you could go there and you could you could ask for delivery yeah. i just i i don't think that that's going to be a major part of their business if they're going to go into the high street yeah exactly like i say you're either looking at a point where it's going to be more like a showroom and you can't pick what you want and it gets delivered the next day or and they'll probably have a cafe there oh, because let's be honest that's going to be that's going to be one of their major selling points if they're on the high street definitely yeah and, and like I, said, I would i would say they're probably they'll probably lean more towards the kind of soft furnishings and house plants and lamps and things you can carry alongside the cafe to kind of encourage people in um, yeah, they've also announced recently they're looking at definitely doing their buyback scheme, which is well, the whole idea behind that was if people had furnished a home office to work from home and then got called back into their traditional office that, that IKEA would buy back those products, obviously at a reduced price. It's um, so typically IKEA as well to do something like that, um, just just because of the way they are, and I think you know Swedish companies in general are that way. They're very you know economic mm -hmm. uh, eco-friendly sorry yeah. i'll get my words out and they uh they obviously try to sort of think about how they can work things to get people in to sort of okay you've done that but if you feel like you can't keep it that way that's fine just bring it back we'll sort you out and it just keeps getting people back in and you know buying different things really because why not if we if we can take it back hmm. then we have no reason to not buy it definitely and, and with, with those kind of office furnitures and, and the stuff they're looking at offering the buyback on they would fall under the bits of furniture that are small enough when they're flat packed to be in a center store as well so i was kind of wondering whether they might end up doing 
a lot a lot of their buybacks are through those centre locations. That's interesting. As like a, a second hand sort of store. Yeah, like a, pre- a previously loved. Come and grab some meatballs. Grab a it's previously really loved interesting because store. I don't know um, if they have this in every IKEA, but in our IKEA, um, or the closest one to me, I say our IKEA, um, they have sort of like a bargain corner, and most of that mm-hmm. is stuff that has been previously purchased and brought back, or stuff that's been you know marked while it's been on the shop floor. Um, mm. So that that could be a really interesting take on it and just to see how that goes yeah definitely um it'll be interesting to see how ikea progress with that like i said they've announced they're looking at moving into more high street spaces it'll be interesting when they start acquiring them um how they use them yeah and as if ikea on the high street wasn't exciting enough (laughs) um a company called gravity who you may or may not have heard of um they are an indoor trampoline park company (laughs) have bought an 80,000 square foot Debenham store in Wandsworth to, to turn into a trampoline wow. park, which I think is fantastic. That is a big trampoline park. <laughs> that is a, yes, it is. A, yeah, well, traditionally, gravity, there's a gravity near me, and traditionally they kind of go into your big warehouses on industrial estates. They're normally massive facilities. Um, they normally do yeah. like the kids' birthday parties and everything, so they have a little wendy's-style naff restaurant somewhere in them that's it'd be interesting like... to see if they do the same thing that they normally do if that makes sense if, with that mm. much space will they set out exactly the same or are they going to go okay we've got more space let's work this differently maybe yeah. we'll add something else in that we don't usually provide yeah it, it, and this this is the, the interesting thing because it is obviously a move towards kind of experiential leisure um being mm-hmm. being prominent on high street which i think would be a good thing because with how easy online shopping is now to get people to go to the high street you have to give them an experience so i think if you have more leisure facilities on the high street it will encourage people to go back there for a day out yeah. so having people like your idea mm-hmm. there is is a draw having people like the people that are looking at doing go-karting in some of these locations as well putting in kind of more traditional arcades so you can go f- and, and lose like give the kids a couple of hours in the arcades or whatever i live by barry island (laughs) i doubt that's going to get anybody from here into the high street but i can absolutely see how it would if you were sort of more in land absolutely and i think i think it's a really good move towards that kind of experience led yeah um that will get people back to the high street and it's also interesting to look that a lot of landlords in these locations now are looking with with these sort of companies coming in, are looking at doing a revenue share type rent rather than a flat rate rent. Interesting. So it means they can get. It could definitely work yeah, right out in now. their favour, you know, long term. Long term, definitely, and it also it also means that your landlords will probably be a little bit more careful with who they put into locations. So only businesses they think are really going to succeed. Yeah. Rather than just renting it out to the to the first to the first people we see, so it should mean you get less kind of shop front turnover. Yeah. So I'm not sure about obviously I'm not sure about where where you are, but where I am, like there's one shop front in my town that's about to be taken over by I think it's eleventh different owner in the last six years. Wow. Um. Oh yeah. So. Well, I have two different towns to consider. So definitely in Cardiff, you get you know a little bit of shop turnover, not not huge amounts. In in sort of my more local town which is more of like a shopping street um you get less turnover but a lot of shops stay empty for a while so it's not just Mm. that um you know the business isn't turning over it is it's just that they stay emptier for longer yeah so that that's I, I was going to say, with, with most of these 11, 11 users of this venue, they've never actually opened. They've branded it up and things, really? and then run out of money and not opened. Yeah, so I think having this kind of impetus on landlords or landlords putting the impetus on themselves to find good businesses gives you that kind of stability in those shopping areas, as well as the experience could really drive up the footfall through the town centres again, which I think will be a really good thing. Well, footfall <clears throat> footfall in a town centre is always going to be a really good thing if we want to save our high streets. Absolutely. So. Yes, and obviously these online giants that keep buying out high street chains but not taking on their shops aren't helping the situation. So anyone that is trying to help that situation, I think, is, is a good yes, thing. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think 
that we should probably leave news there and move on to yeah, sort yeah. of our news as a society before saying goodbye, goodbye to our lovely listeners who have stayed with us. Um, yeah, the only thing they missed out on there was Tesla and Bitcoin, but you can do the research on that yourself. It's quite a big story. You'll find it everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> it's huge. So honestly, it, and we could always talk about it next week because there's no doubt it's going to be in the news. Oh, yeah. Elon Musk will have done something else. By yes, then. exactly. Um, <laughs> so definitely you're not missing out. We will come back to it. Um, but I think, you know, we don't want to keep you for too long and um, we've got some news no. and events coming up that we want to talk to you about as well um, so I'll let you lead on what events we have coming up yeah sure um, where do I start with March's events or the stuff we're putting on on a regular basis um, I think Ooh. let's start with the ones that we're going to be doing uh, regularly and then we'll move on to sort of our one-offs because I think that that would be easier for people to sort of okay i could do that all the time and then cool so number one on things we're going to start doing regularly is this um <laughs> so yeah we're hoping to do a podcast we're aiming for weekly aren't yes. we um most of them will be shorter than this because my news breakdown covered this week and part of last week just so that people had a bit of a run up into it the um, weekly would normally be slightly shorter than that yeah so yeah this is assuming people like it we're hoping to podcast on a regular basis um then weekly on a thursday night at 6 30 we uh, have a commercial awareness masterclass um with a colleague of mine called peter watson so that's kind of half an hour ish of a news breakdown from him he's a, an ex-stockbroker of 13 years experience in japan and london uh, and then kind of half an hour's worth of discussion which is i find really beneficial in terms of improving both my knowledge and my ability to talk about these these things yeah uh we're going to be doing a monthly quiz as well which is exciting i, I honestly <laughs> cannot wait for um, the monthly quiz i'm terrible at quizzes <laughs> but i can't wait for it <laughs> so that one i can't remember what dates i put on the march one but it's basically available from about the 26th i think of march through to the 31st so you get a few days to do it um do you mean february and then bragging rights Right. Um, no, I'm in okay, March because we're at the end of February. Now, the <laughs> yeah, no, first one's, it, first one's in March. This is the last day of February. So um, it gives you kind of, I didn't want to do it straight away. And because, you know, if I started asking about last month's news, people might not be aware of it. So yeah. um, giving people a heads up at the start of March, at the end of March, there will be a monthly quiz on the month's news. There's your heads up. Fabulous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and obviously we have a blog and a forum on our website as well, which are both kind of, really good resources we're going to try and use them a bit more going forwards uh in terms of one-off events in march uh, we've got three i want to, want to tell our listeners about uh, on the 10th uh, which i believe is a wednesday uh we've got an ask the associate event so we've got a guy called kevin pearson who is an associate at k and l gates um big solicitors firm but is also currently working in-house at an aviation firm he's coming to talk to us about kind of the differences between being an associate in a city law firm and being in-house and kind of all the deals he gets involved in and the, and the wider things around the aviation industry. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, on the 15th, which is the following Monday, uh, we've got a lady called, oh my word, I hope I've announced this right, Ntsiki Mkahize, there we go, that's my best attempt, um, who is uh, an international speaker. She's done things like TED Talks and that sort of thing. She's an author and she also um, runs a mentorship program for social entrepreneurs um so she's a fascinating person just so fascinating to come and listen to her absolutely uh, and then on the 30th on the 30th which is the last tuesday in march we have a guy called graham alcott uh, who is a best-selling author of things like how to be a productivity ninja um absolutely. coming to talk to us about how to be a student ninja and how to get on top of things <laughs> especially if you're an open university student ninja because i don't know about anybody else but i'm terrible for procrastination <laughs> yeah well, it's awful isn't it um so yeah between those three which like i said we're trying to give um we're trying to give a really kind of balance of industry stuff and things to kind of holistically improve your skill set Yes, um, and just to mention for our members yep. um these events our that we're running they are free for members yes so don't be confused by the website <laughs> no yeah all of them should when you go to the website there should be a membership offer on all of them if you're a if you are a full member of the society it should instantly discount whatever price it is to zero yes um if it doesn't please let us know but you should do um and then we've also um 
got um, people like a lady called Sonia Piontek, who's going to come and talk to us in April, who's, again, another corporate keynote speaker, but on kind of ultra-creativity and changes in the workplace. So she's going to do quite a bit on um, how to kind of equip yourself for that kind of cutthroat world and make sure that you kind of have ways to express yourself that mean you can cope with it for longevity. Yes. Um, and a guy called Roy Martins, who is uh, who founded a company called The Film Portal, um, so that he kind of does financing for major films, including things like Fast and Furious and franchises like that. Yeah. And he's going to talk about reverse engineering of films in terms of the finance side of things, um, which I think will be yeah. really fascinating to see, particularly how the money moves around in the in the film industry and, and the processes they go through. I, I, uh, then, I think yeah, got... that's going to be interesting as well. I think I think yeah, it'll be really it'll be really fascinating because it's obviously an industry we know there's a lot of money in, um, because obviously stars are paid a huge amount. But actually, getting financing for studios and films apparently isn't so easy. And, and Roy's got years and years of, of advising ultra high net worth individuals and all sorts. So he brings a really kind of wide variety of skills um, yeah. to that to that particular webinar. And then we've also got a cryptocurrency event coming up um, alongside another part of the OU who are the lift faculty so there are law information and future technologies i think i've got that right it is um, yeah <laughs> and, uh, and the exciting news on that is at the moment we're trying the reason we haven't confirmed a day yet is we're trying to get um a, a lawyer that was involved in a recent landmark case on bitcoin um involved um so we're kind of waiting on fingers on crossed that. but yes yeah, absolutely crossed. we've got something in the works either way but hopefully we can get them on board too because that's just going to be so amazing yeah and that i think is we've it. got about five or six of the conversations going on in the background they're the ones we've got confirmed dates from so far yeah so, so most of all just check our website everything we do is on there even if you know we're working in the background mainly we put it on the website so it's oucas.co.uk yeah however you pronounce that word .co <laughs> tell us <laughs> tell us how you pronounce it i want to know <laughs> absolutely and obviously when tickets go live for each event they'll also be posted on our facebook and instagram as well and um, which are both yeah. fairly easy to find if you know the name of the society Yes, so come along and just let us know you're there. Lovely. Well, Let's talk. <laughs> absolutely. Thank you very much for organising this this morning, Heather. Not a problem, and I hope to uh, organise another one next week. <laughs> that would be that would be good. Lovely. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you. Bye. We'll see you soon. Bye.